0: So call me back. Love you. Hello you guys and welcome back to another episode of Emotionally Online with your host that has missed you so goddamn much, Maddie Drospec. It's been like three weeks since I've posted a podcast. It was unintentional but necessary. (laughs) I know the last episode I told you guys that I was going to take one week off and then I ended up taking three weeks off because then I got back from my trip and I was inundated with work and I couldn't do the podcast because I did not have time to do the podcast Um, because I don't have sponsors on this show yet, obviously. Um, So this automatically gets pushed to the bottom of the totem pole because I don't make money off the podcast. I just do this for fun, for the love of the game, (laughs) Um, but I'm back, I'm here, and I'm so excited. Could not be more excited to be back and here with you guys right here, right now, because lately the podcast is my favorite thing to make, just sitting and chatting, just sitting and having a chat. Um, We're going on like day four of rain in New York right now, and it's looking like tomorrow we're going to get day five, which I have been living and loving for, I feel rejuvenated. It's cold outside, it's rainy, and I just have to sit inside, sip my cup of tea, put on fake fireplace noises on my TV, read my book and look out the window longingly. Like, that's what I wanted. All summer I was complaining because I was like, boo, everyone get back inside your homes. It's too hot outside, we hate it here. Oh, yuck, it's gross outside. And I was praying for this, for this moment where we're all inside and everyone just shuts the fuck up for like four days. This is what I wanted. Everyone is like, there's nothing fun going on. I'm not talking to anyone. I'm sitting inside my home. I'm reading. I'm watching scary movies. Thank God. Thank God. It was all I needed and it was all I wanted. And that's what I've done the last four days is just hang out inside my home, watching scary movies and reading my book. And it's what my heart needed. Trying to watch a scary movie every single day for the month of October. We'll see how long it lasts. I've watched Fresh, which is the one with Sebastian Stan on Hulu. Watched that one on October 1st. It was great. It was delicious. I loved it. (laughs) Then I watched X on October 2nd. And X is. Okay, well, I don't know if you guys have watched Fresh. Let me backtrack a little bit. Fresh, the first movie I watched, is about this girl who's... I'm not going to spoil anything. I'm trying to, like, actually read you the synopsis just off of memory. <laughs> it's about this girl who's, like, tired of dating and, like, the dating app. Yada yada. She meets this guy in a grocery store, a little meat cute in the veggie aisle. um, And... They end up going on some dates. But he could have some sinister intentions or something. I don't know. But it was really good. And Sebastian Stan is sexy as fuck. I was sitting here Googling. I'm like talking to Siri while I'm watching the movie. I'm like, uh, Siri, how old is Sebastian Stan? And Siri was like, 40. Sebastian Stan is 40. And all of a sudden I was like, I'm so excited to be 40. You know what I mean? All it took was Sebastian Stan, and all of a sudden I'm like, when I'm 40, I get to fuck guys who look like that. Oh my God. (laughs) I was like, all of a sudden, yeah, 40. Sebastian Stan is sexy as fuck. So anyways, I liked Fresh. I think I gave it a three and a half stars on Letterboxd. And then October 2nd, I watched X, which is an A24 movie about this group of young 20 somethings that are making a porn at this, in like the shed of this farmer guy and his wife uh, and they don't know that they're filming a porn and then disaster ensues. I don't know. It was kind of weird. I didn't like X as much as I liked Fresh. I'm pretty sure I gave it a three on Letterboxd. It was all right. Uh, Mia Goth plays the main character and she's hot and the main character was hot and I liked her makeup and it made me want to bleach my eyebrows which I will never do because I know that I would look so bad with bleached eyebrows but Mia Goth made me want to bleach my eyebrows in X. (laughs) Um, It was all right. Three stars. It was just okay. Then yesterday was October 3rd and I watched Donnie Darko. Well, I watched half of Donnie Darko. I started watching Donnie Darko in March with the guy that I was seeing at the time. And we only got halfway through and then we had sex and then I never finished Donnie Darko. So I finished Donnie Darko last night. <laughs> Six months later, I finished that goddamn movie. And it was good. I liked Donnie Darko. That was four stars for me. So I don't know what I'm going to watch tonight, but I've got a long list of horror movies, thriller movies, all kinds of just like ooky spooky movies. I'm thinking maybe I'll watch Eyes Wide Shut. I've never seen Eyes Wide Shut, which I know. I went to school for film. I was a film major in college. And there's so many like classic oh you gotta watch this movie movies that I've never seen because yeah I went to school for film but I was a social media kid you know like I got interested in film and video production through social media creators (sighs) And I, we, we talk about this every week at trivia because there's always movie questions and everyone's like, Maddie. And I'm like, guys, I don't have the answers. <laughs> I, I, I may have gone to college for film. I don't fucking know the answer to this. Okay. My knowledge is with the social media world. You could ask me the most niche questions about the internet and I would have the answers. I've said this so many times. It just, it irritates me. I feel like there should be maybe a little bit more appreciation for us social media connoisseurs, all right? This is highbrow. You just wouldn't know because you're not involved in the world, okay? I'm rolling my eyes. <laughs> but there are lots of movies that I do want to watch. I do want to be watching more movies, indulging my brain in some more classical highly regarded content just because I do enjoy it I love scary movies I love horror I love gore I just find it so fascinating the like special effects makeup growing up I hated horror I remember in like 2009 when Jennifer's Body came out all of my friends were like having a sleepover and they're like yeah let's watch Jennifer's Body I walked my ass home it was all the kids that I like grew up around in the neighborhood. We would walk to each other's houses. I was like, you guys have fun. I'm going home. <laughs> and I walked back to my house because I was like, I'm not watching that movie. That's scary as fuck. And I like never was interested in horror at all. And then I went through something traumatic as a teenager. <laughs> and I got interested in horror after that, which is maybe a sad way to get interested in horror. But I think at the time, it made my own memories seem easier to process if I could practice having control over the feeling of fear not to get so fucking deep in the first 10 minutes of the podcast but um I think that's why I started to love horror because watching horror movies and like choosing to trigger fear in yourself and having control over like I'm going to watch this movie and make myself scared and I'm going to experience it for two hours and then it's done and it's off it like I don't know it gives you some illusion of control and I think it helped me in some weird way process the traumatic thing that I went through as a teenager so would you look at that there's some food for thought And now I love horror. American Horror Story was really my introduction to horror. Um, My sister and I got really into it when I was at the end of high school. So she was like beginning of high school. I was end of high school. And we both went through that traumatic thing together. I don't know if she feels the same way that I do. But um, we both got into American Horror Story together. And it like triggered a love of horror for both of us. Um, Big American Horror Story fans. Obviously, I have an American Horror Story tattoo. For those who didn't know, now you know. <laughs> and um, when I was in college and I was doing film stuff, I was mostly interested in making horror films, experimental horror films. My favorite horror movies are the ones that you leave and you're like, "What the fuck just happened?" It's why I love Hereditary. It's why I really loved Mother. Um, I love movies that are like super metaphorical and experimental and they're they have like elements of horror but you leave the theater being like what what (laughs) it just like brings me great joy it's like the merging of poetry and horror and it's beautiful it's beautiful stuff so anyways. Trying to consume more of that this month and just have an ooky spooky fall. Um, because this is my favorite time of year. I'm so happy in the fall, which is ironic because I've actually had kind of a challenging week. (laughs) But I'm in a great mood today, dude. Um, I'm kind of like feeling like I'm on the up and up, which is great. Because yeah, I have had a hard week emotionally. Posted a little bit about it on my Instagram uh, just have been struggling with shame and processing shame that I feel and why I feel that shame, where the shame comes from, doing a lot of great work in therapy. (laughs) And it's just a lot sometimes. And I think this past weekend, I wrote something on my Instagram about how I was just feeling sad and disappointed and um, just like kind of let down and uh, it's hard not for shame to pop up when I feel those things. And I wrote something about how I'm not going to let shame eclipse my disappointment and sadness and make me feel embarrassed for caring in the first place. Um, and that's something I've had to remind myself of a lot this week and always. I feel like that's a sentiment that I repeat to myself constantly constantly. I'm pretty sure the first time I said it or something along those lines was in like the in like a 20 20 things I learned at 20 video which might still be on my channel I don't know if I've privated that one but I'm pretty sure there's a line in that video about something I learned was that it's a beautiful thing to be a lover and it's not the fault of something else I don't know just that it's a beautiful thing to be so caring and loving and open with your heart. And when you get burned or rejected or things don't work out the way that you want them to, like it's okay to feel sad and disappointment and it's, it's a beautiful thing to love so hard and so deeply and you should never feel ashamed of that or embarrassed that you care. It's fucking awesome to give a shit, truly. Truly. It's the greatest. It is, I mean, I still look at it as like the strongest part of me or one of the strongest parts of me. One of the best parts of me is how hard I love. And um. yeah, just had to do a little bit of taking care of me this weekend. Having a good cry because crying is good and you shouldn't feel ashamed of crying. It's good to process those emotions, get them out, let yourself feel what you have to feel. We're not going to demonize any emotion over here. And then do things that are good for your brain. Turning off social media and um, reading a book, watching movies, having a cry, having a little write, a little journal, all good things. So anyways, that's been my, my week. But I'm feeling a lot better now. (laughs) That's what the rain will do to you. I just feel like I had. I've been stuck at home. This is day four that I'm inside my house. I've only left to like run a few errands, get groceries, whatever. I've mostly just been chilling out, you know. I don't have much on the to-do this week because I cranked out so much last week. Because I was in my head like I need to think about other things. I need to focus on other things. So then I worked hella And now I don't have a lot on my plate this week and I just get to relax and enjoy the rain. It's been really good for my brain. So anyways, I hope that all of you guys do something today or this week to take care of your brains. Because it's been really nice being able to just have a few days and enjoy the rain and take care of this little brain of mine. Also, I started with a new therapist I was going to the same therapist since December, and I loved her. Sarah was so great. Um, December through August, I was with one therapist. And then she left the practice, so I had to get a new therapist if I wanted to stay within my doctor's office. And I did want to stay within my doctor's office because my doctor's office is like everything. It's like I do primary care, gynecology, and my therapy all under one thing. And it's just easier for me and for the insurance to all go through one place. Anyways, I didn't want to fuck with it. So I was like, yeah, she's leaving the practice. So I'm just going to get a new therapist that's within the doctor's office. So anyways, I've been with a new therapist for the last three weeks and she's amazing, which is like such a relief. I was definitely very um, nervous to switch therapists after doing so much work with my first therapist that I I was with for what, what is that? 10 months, nine months. And, um, I was overwhelmed at like the prospect of having to do it all over again, start from scratch with someone new, but it's actually been pretty great to start over and see the differences in myself this time around. Um, in comparison to when I started therapy last time, my initial therapist pointed this out. She was like, when you go through the process of like catching this new therapist up on the last 25 years of your life um, you'll probably notice that certain things feel more important to share than others or maybe things that you once believed you don't believe anymore and um, I think that has been interesting just to getting you know this initial part initial few sessions with my new therapist is like as overwhelming as it was To be like okay I've got to start over And re-explain my life to a new therapist uh, It's actually been a, like a good process For my brain to go through I feel like I'm having new reflections This time around And um, yeah Turning out to be a net positive Despite how overwhelming it seemed So shout out to my new therapist Olivia Because I love her Even though I've only had her three sessions <laughs> I really like her and I'm, I'm excited to go through the process again. So this is going to be a stream of consciousness episode. (laughs) I wrote like 17 minutes in and I'm like, by the way, you guys, this episode is going to be very fucking random. I just have like random notes written down of like, here are some things that we could talk about today, but all of them are very random. And honestly, it's what I need. I need a random episode. (sighs) Because <laughs> the reason why I need a random episode is because I'm tired of the internet as a whole. I just talked to my therapist about this. I like just did therapy. He got off the call. And then now I'm here recording the episode. So this is literally what I talked about in therapy today. Um, about how I'm like exhausted with a lot of the content that's on the internet is specifically TikTok discourse because a lot of it is discourse that only exists on the internet and does not exist offline. Um and I think I'm realizing how being so online is starting to negatively impact me. Uh, um so I'm considering doing like a at least a TikTok hard stop. Um, I don't want to call it a social media cleanse because there are some social media sites that I feel like I have completely healthy relationships with. YouTube and Instagram being the two that I feel like I have completely healthy relationships with. And I think it's, at least for me, it feels easy to have healthy relationships with YouTube and Instagram because I have full control over what I consume on those websites. The YouTube algorithm mostly just spits my subscriptions back at me. And if I'm not subscribed, it's like two main topics. I watch a lot of Among Us videos. All right, I'll come clean. (laughs) So my entire like recommended on YouTube is just Among Us videos. So I watch a lot of Among Us videos. And then I listen to the H3 podcast and they put out I mean, now it's five episodes of content a week, if you're a member, which I am. So I'm, I mean, that's hours of content every single day, right? It's like between two to three hours per episode every day of the week, Monday through Friday. So that's, I mean, that's mostly what I consume on YouTube is Among Us videos and H3 content. And then I watch other people's videos like, intermittently, but that's like the only stuff that I'm like on a regimen with consuming at this point, which feels good for me because if I watch too much content on YouTube, I have noticed that I start to compare myself to other people. So it's like, I'll watch your videos every now and again, but I, because I also post on here, it's been good for me to not really watch what other people are making. Cause I think I'm just like comparing myself to other people too often because I feel I've been in that like creative block space um so youtube has been great i do feel like i mostly have control over the algorithm instagram i feel similarly with like i'm not on the explore pages i'm not scrolling through like reels i'm just going through stories most of the time i'm seeing what my friends are up to and then i'm like posting and leaving the app so i feel like i have more control over what i'm consuming on youtube and instagram it feels more curated it's not like i'm Constantly being thrown videos of shit that I would never otherwise be interested in. TikTok, however, is not like that at all. And I get so sucked into TikTok. It's the scrolling. It's the quickness of it. I hate it so much. It is so mind-numbing. I literally, I feel brain-dead after consuming all that TikTok content but it's impossible to stop but the thing about TikTok that exhausts me the most is like my entire feed is full of people yelling about things (laughs) because TikTok it like is able to distinguish the like broad categories of shit that I'd be interested in but it can't quite nail down like the specifics within those broad categories. So for example, the two things that TikTok knows I am interested in is content revolving around body image, specifically fatness. Um, So that results in they're going to show me videos from other fat creators, which I love. That's something I want on my for you, Paige, but that also means that they're showing me every single dumbass think piece about whether or not fat people deserve to be loved. Which I don't want to look at. Like I just don't I simply don't give a fuck. Like I trust me, I'm well aware that fat phobia exists in the world. If I don't need to encounter it, I don't want to. You know what I mean? Like, if I'm not gonna encounter fat phobia out on the street in my daily life, like with my actual people that I know, if in my real life offline, I'm existing in a world where I have successfully made it so that fat phobes are nowhere near me, fucking congratulations to me. I would like to keep it that way and not log on the internet and have to be always consuming content from people that are like, don't see me as a real human being. Like I just, that doesn't have to exist, right? Like I can just turn off my phone and all of a sudden it's like gone, but it's hard. When you're opening up your phone every single day and being like, okay, well, I have to consume this. It's all over the place. And it makes you so mad. And I'm a very opinionated person, as I'm sure all of you guys fucking know. So it's hard for me to consume that content and not be like sitting in my bed talking to myself, like yelling, being like, what the fuck? And it's like, okay. This is not helpful. This discourse, I need to be removed from it. I don't want to be a part of it. I need all of you to stop talking and stop putting these fucking idiots on my for you page. Like that girl, that fat phobic podcaster who like has gone viral like eight different times for different clips from her podcast where she just like hates fat bitches for whatever reason. And it's like what did we do to you? What the fuck? Out here catching strays. I'm just trying to scroll on my fucking TikTok for you page what the hell I don't want any part of it like I get it that fat phobes are out there they can go exist over there away from me I don't have it in me to fight with every single fat phobe on the internet I'm sorry I just want to live my life away from them I can't save the world I can't change everyone's opinion I actually don't want to I don't have it in me to save the world and change everyone's opinion I want to be over here in my little bubble that I've so meticulously curated of people that are kind-hearted and that don't think and act like that I know that fat phobes are out there. I don't need to know them. I prefer to exist in the delusion that everyone is just like my besties. Okay. This is what we do on my corner of the internet. We curate it. So we are always safe over here and you fucking losers get off my for you page. I hate it so much. I'm like, I don't need to be involved in this. So TikTok knows that I want body image content. So they serve me everything. Same goes with dating. They know I'm interested in dating content. So they serve me every piece of dating content imaginable. Now, if any of you are on that same side of TikTok too, on dating TikTok, you know that 90% of dating advice on TikTok is trash. It's trash, garbage like it's the worst shit ever. It sees everything as so black and white. It sees the human experience as black and white. I was just talking to my therapist about this. How was I? I was saying that the amount of videos I see on my for you page every single day that like say something along the lines of this is just one example. This is what I used in therapy as the example, because this is what I saw this morning was a video of someone being like, if you're dating someone and they say they're not ready for a relationship. Like I need you to be for real right now. um, They're lying to you. They actually just aren't into you. Which I just think that content like that serves no real purpose other than to make people more insecure. (laughs) I don't think that's helpful. And also, it views the world in such black and white terms where in this universe there can never exist a person who is struggling with themselves and doesn't have the emotional capacity to date and is aware of that is self-aware of the fact that they don't have the emotional space to bring in a romantic partner in that universe there exists no such world where there are other reasons why someone might not be ready for a relationship if someone says they're not ready for a relationship they always actually mean I don't fucking like you guys I need you to be fucking for real right now <laughs> Like that that is such a stupid way to view the world where you see it black and white where it's like this always equals this if someone says I'm not ready for a relationship there are a hundred thousand explanations for why that could be some of them maybe are lying to you and it's just their cop-out way of saying I'm not personally interested in you sure that situation exists there are, however, lots of other explanations for why someone might say something like that, for why someone might not be ready for a relationship. And it just feels like kind of insane to me that we're like making content that promotes lashing out or like making the the, the decision that like hurts the most. <laughs> Where it's like the the only logical explanation for this is that they fucking hate me and I'm the worst that's not good and I just think it's bad. Like why are we encouraging content like that when we could perhaps be making more content that approaches dating from the place of understanding and empathy and we can encourage the people to be honest with their emotions and we show up and we say what we really mean instead of, you know, sugarcoating it or lying and saying something else. We can encourage people to show up as their honest selves. But I think in order to do that, we probably have to operate from a place of understanding and empathy. So if you're operating from a place of understanding and empathy, if someone says to you, I'm not ready for a relationship, you in your mind should be like, okay, they're not ready for a relationship. I'm going to believe them when they say that. They don't have the emotional capacity to show up for me in that way. I'm so glad they told me. I'm so glad they were honest with me about that because, listen, there are a lot of people that wouldn't. There's a lot of people that would love to just be in a relationship with you, knowing that they can't give you the extent of what you give them and just take it anyways. It's awesome that someone would be able to reflect and be like, you know what? You're great. This is great. I can't give you what you deserve. I can't be on your level right now. I don't understand what I want in a relationship. So it's hard for me to give you what you want. I'm not ready for this. I need to do some more inner work and self-reflection. There's so much more room there to feel good about ourselves and to leave the situation feeling like, you know, say, la vie. Some things work, some things don't. This is fine though. We ended on fine terms than to be like, oh, well this ended because he's a liar and he hates me. That doesn't feel good, does it? Why do we want that? We don't want that. There's a world of other options here. Why are we choosing to view it in such black and white terms, especially when those black and white terms make us feel worse about ourselves? So anyways, this is just one example, but I feel like a lot of dating TikTok is just like that, where it's people like starting discourse that is like totally unhelpful. And it's seeing the world in black and white terms that make you feel worse about yourself. And I feel like I see so much content like that on my for you page and one part of my brain watches it and is like, this is ridiculous. Why would anybody see the world like this? This is such a sad way to view other people and love and sharing in that with other people. (sighs) it upsets me. As a hopeless romantic, it upsets me. You're upsetting the bitches. But there's a lot of like big TikTok creators in the dating space that make content like that. And it stresses me out because I'm like, oh my God, I see videos like that and they have like a hundred thousand likes on it. And I'm like, oh my God, this is bad. There's a lot of people who think like this. And I start to like freak out a little bit because I'm like, am I in the minority now? Like, is it me versus like a majority of people who see dating as black and white? And I start to freak the fuck out because I'm like, is this what I'm up against? Like, is this how the majority of people see each other? Is this how people are feeling when they're interacting with people on a daily basis? And I start to panic and be like, is this the world? Is this, is it, what's happening? And I just, it, yeah, it makes me freak out because I'm like, there's no way that this many people think like this but then they do. And then it makes me go bazunkas because I'm like, am I losing it? Like, am I too nice? Am I too understanding? Am I naive? Because I'm choosing to lead with understanding and empathy and live in a world where there's, there exists multiple options for explanations of things. And we don't always have to choose the most negative thing ever to tell ourselves. Like it just seems unproductive. So anyways, I hate dating TikTok so much. It's unbelievable. They give some of the worst dating advice I've ever heard in my entire life. There's some dating content creators that I think give fantastic advice. Finding Mr. Height is one of them. I love her. She makes like a bunch of dating videos and she's always so smart and introspective and gives great reflection points and is just like so healthy about it. Her content makes me feel at ease. <laughs> but that's hard to come by on dating TikTok. It feels like there's a lot of I'm not going to name drop the people that I think do it the worst, but I'm sure if you're on dating TikTok, you know what creators I'm talking about where it's just like it's like they see the world in very black and white terms. It's just hard to consume content like that all the time because it's like the two sides of my brain start fighting where I'm like that's ridiculous. That doesn't make any sense and then there's the other part of my brain that's like but what if it does <laughs> and I'm like no we know better but then the insecure side of my brain is like but maybe we could latch onto that and use it as ammo to be mean to ourselves and I say we've grown past that we don't do that anymore but the other part of my brain says but maybe it would be fun shut up I'm over it It's like actually getting in the way of my healing journey where I will have bad days because I am reacting to this TikTok that's fed me some information that I'm reacting negatively to that I never would have otherwise come into contact with because I don't see the world like that. I don't think like that. I don't know other people that do. Or if I do, like if one of my friends is going to say something that like sees the world, sees dating specifically in black and white, like we can sit and have a heart to heart and a conversation about it. There's no back and forth on TikTok. It's just a bunch of people yelling into the black hole and being like. Ah! It sends me. I can't do it anymore. I just feel like all of the discourse that I disagree with constantly having to consume all of that and be like. Ah! If I just put my phone down, none of that would exist to me. I would never know that you people think like that. (laughs) I would just never know. So anyways, I would like to not know more often. So I think I need to take some sort of social media break, at least on TikTok, from the consumption angle. Cause I think that like producing social media content is so healing for me. And when I'm finding good social media content, content creators that I love and really resonate with and that make me think and reflect in ways that I believe are healthy. And like even creators that like challenge the ways that I think, but it, it's like in a healthy way, <laughs> it doesn't make me feel worse about myself. I have these TikTok creators. Like they do make you feel worse about yourself. And it's like, what is it? It's like they make you feel worse about yourself in the name of like being a badass bitch. Never cry over a man ever again. What kind of advice is that? I can't. It's the anti-hopeless romantics. They're coming after all of you and you don't even realize it. (laughs) But then like I have creators like Finding Mr. Height, who's a tiktoker that I love and that makes great content. And it's like, that's the type of content that I would love to see more of that's reflective and makes me think in ways that make me feel good, that make me feel better about myself. And it just feels like my For You page is a lot of content that makes me think, but in a negative way. It makes me feel worse about myself. It makes me angry. Like, it's like, I'm just constantly in a state of like, on TikTok and I hate it. I don't think it's good. I don't think that we should be like consuming so much content that elicits such an intense negative reaction all the time. I think it's very bad, actually. So, my therapist and I were talking about taking a little social media break, consumption break, um, starting small, where I think this week I'm going to try to not pick up my phone or not check social media until, like, noontime. So I can have a a nice, easy morning. I can check my texts. I can sit on my computer and, like, do work-related stuff, but I'm not, like, doing, like, the endless social media scroll just for the sake of scrolling. So this is a little difficult, also, with social media being my job. Sometimes I'm like, okay, how much of this is, like, considered work to me and how much of this is... Me just sitting here. TikTok has never worked to me though, because I don't do TikTok. I post like once a month on TikTok. I don't do TikTok. So I can, listen, we can cut out TikTok right fucking now. There's no reason for me to be on that app. There's nothing productive happening with me on TikTok. There just isn't. So no more discourse. No more. Only fun little conversations about things that don't matter. Or, Fun little hypotheticals about things that could matter in a hypothetical world. I wrote down some (laughs) because I was like, this episode is supposed to be dumb. Fun and dumb. No more opinions in this episode. Only fun little hypothetical opinions. So the first question that I have here, this first little fake hypothetical question that we're going to have so much fun with (laughs) is if you could live forever, would you? Now, every time I've ever been asked this, I have said, yes, (laughs) I would live forever. And I think I'm still going to say that. Like if you gave me a special magic potion that could make me live forever, I think I would drink it. Mm. If you could also guarantee that I would live like a painless life, because like if you allow me to live forever, but then I develop some like super rare physical condition that makes my life hard to live I don't know what condition I'm talking about but just like some some universe where I don't know I wake up with paper bones and glass skin and it's whatever if I become that then I don't want to live forever so if I'm drinking this potion you have to ensure that like I live like a happy healthy life I can get bored. I can deal with boredom or like monotony of living. And I think I could reinvent myself a hundred times over, but it would be like the living in pain or in agony that I think I would be like, this sucks. So you need to guarantee that I would never have to live in pain or agony. Cause I think that if we could just, if it was expected that we would live forever, I think that we would just adjust to that mentally like death just like wouldn't be a part of life which you know that's a different rabbit hole of like how much would life change if death wasn't a part of it my gut reaction is to think that it would actually be like a net positive change and that if death wasn't a part of life people might feel more inclined to change up their life more often and like experiment more and do more things which maybe sounds like it should be the opposite because it's like oh you're you've only got so much life to live like do it up do everything you can Mm. but I think most of the time people are less concerned about doing everything seeing everything in the time that they're alive but they're more concerned about like spending their time that they do have with people they love or in places that they love, in their favorite places. Like I feel like it's more often that we would get like fixated on things because we know we don't have forever and be like, well, I want to enjoy this thing forever because I love it so much. If you knew you were going to live forever, would you be more like comfortable with switching up your life on a whim because you're never going to like run out of alignment with people or you, you have a, not that you won't ever run out of alignment with people, but you will always most likely be able to circle back to people and they'll still be here. How would work play into this though? Like if you were going to live forever, like does that mean there's no retirement? Hmm. No money in this world. We don't need money. (laughs) I think we just abandon money altogether. If if we just were all like living forever and there's no such thing as death anymore, then like who, who gives a fuck about money, right? There's no possible way to die. We're here forever. I don't know. I say we go back to the world where we're like bartering with people for everything. <laughs> so I don't know. Something I'm going to think about, I guess <laughs> this made up universe where nobody is allowed to die and death doesn't influence the way we live at all and we don't have money for whatever reason <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay next one if you could remove the part of you that needs sleep would you? if I could remove the part of me that needs sleep would I? no no but I'll tell you why. It's not because I love sleep. No, no. No ma'am. I feel like I could do without sleep like as a sensation, right? I like relaxing, but I feel like I get the same type of rejuvenation or enjoyment out of like sitting and reading a book than I do from sleeping. Like it's not like I'm like, "Oh, I love sleeping." In a lot of ways I don't like sleeping actually. I get I hate naps fun fact about me. Naps make me feel sick. I don't know why I've always been like that where every time I take a nap, I wake up and feel ill. I feel nauseous for the rest of the day. Don't know why. I've always been like that though. I hate naps. I sleep like nine hours every night. I get a good amount of sleep, but I'm not like sleep's biggest fan. Like I'm I'm not, I'm not a part of big sleep. But the reason why I say I wouldn't remove the part of me that needs sleep is because when you're a kid and there's other situations as an adult where this applies, but I think the, the spot in life where I feel this the most is as a kid when it's the night before Christmas and you have to sleep to get closer to Christmas morning. It's the only way you could stay up all night if you wanted to, But that's going to be so hard because you're so excited for Christmas morning. So it's better to sleep and to like get yourself to fall asleep so that you can like, you know, just waste away some of those hours. And I feel like if I couldn't sleep, excitement might kill me. (laughs) Like, I feel like if you had to go through your entire life never being able to waste a few hours in, like, the blink of an eye by falling asleep, it would be really hard to, like, kill time in a way that isn't excruciating. So that's why I would want to be able to sleep, to kill time. Because I think sometimes having all those hours to just kill when you're excited about something is like, that's, oh God, it's awful. It's so hard. <laughs> Whereas like, if I just have like time to chill, that's one thing that's different. It's like having to have time to kill when you're excited for something. It's like that time in between. I, I hate it so much. I need to be able to sleep through that period. So that's why, <laughs> that's why I would want to still be able to sleep. Um, <clears throat> this is maybe... A deeper one. But what do you think happens after you die? I'm not a religious person. <clears throat> I never have been. I grew up Catholic, but my family's not really religious. So it was just more like a formality. But like I was, I did communion and I got confirmed. I like went through all of like the Catholic education, whatever. None of my family is religious anymore. I think we, we used to go to church like once a year growing up. Um, my dad is not religious. He never went with us. He used to stay home and call it the church of Torin. (laughs) That's his name. (laughs) And, um, yeah, I, I've just never been very religious. I've never connected with any type of religion. I've not really ever believed in God, but all of that said, I actually do see myself as being spiritual but not in a God way and not extremely spiritual, just like a little bit spiritual, but I'm not religious at all. I think I more resonate with like the idea of not there being a higher power, but there being like people that have passed on before you that look out for you. Like I really connect with the idea of like, you know, your great-grandparents and your great-great-great-grandparents and, like, all of those people in your family line before you, that they're all, like, somewhere out there playing a role in influencing your life now. That feels good to me. Like, that, that kind of believing in something that we can't understand feels comforting to me. Like, the idea that someone... Uh, that has some connection to you is looking out for you I think the idea of like having a god has always kind of mm, it hasn't felt comforting to me I think through a lot of when I was a teenager if if you asked me I would have said that I I find it I found it uh discomforting because I didn't like the idea that somebody else had more of a say over my life than I did And I hated the, the idea of like God's plan or that like God has a plan for us. There's a path. And I was always like, no, gross. I didn't ask him. Why the fuck is he giving me a plan? (laughs) I don't want that. I want to make my own. And I, I didn't like, it didn't, it feel comforting to me to believe that there was some higher power that was more all knowing or that my life was predetermined for me. Um, and I just needed to trust in it. Like I, I kind of was like, ew, gross. Hate that. I like understand why it's comforting for other people, but I've never personally found that comforting. Um, but I do like the idea of like our ancestors looking out for us. And I, I didn't experience death until pretty recently in my life. Um, I went through my entire childhood, not dealing with death of anyone close to me, which is a miracle and wonderful. And I'm so thankful that I didn't, um, my great grandfather passed away in like 2017 when I was in college. So that was the first death that I ever experienced. And I wasn't very close with my great grandfather. So he's very old. (laughs) Um, you know, saw him every few years, but then in 2019, my grandfather passed away and he, my grandmother and grandfather on my mom's side are like the grandparents that I, they're like my second set of parents. And it was that grandfather that passed away and his death really shook me. Um, and I was like so upset and so devastated I've never, that was really, like, the first death of someone truly close to me. And um, I think probably after his death, I've felt the belief that, like, there's someone looking after me more than I ever did in the past. I think maybe in the past I was like, well, maybe I believe in a higher power, but I don't really know how to explain that or, like, what the setup is. I know that I don't believe in, like... A Catholic Christian God, the way that they set it up. And I think the Catholic Church is kind of a bunch of bullshit. But I believe in something agnostic, really. I'm not necessarily an atheist, but I'm not, I don't know. I'm like somewhere in the middle. And I think that like after my grandfather passed, I've felt different. I've felt like more of a connection to that spiritual side of myself where there are are moments in my life over the last few years where I've been like, that's grampy. He's looking out for me. He sent me that. And I feel like, um, a little bit more comfortable just being like, there's someone looking out for me. There's someone keeping me safe. I'm divinely protected. I have people. And that's felt comforting to me to have that. So anyways, to get back to the root of the question here, what happens after you die? I don't know. But something that I like in this department, in this category, is I like the idea that whatever you think happens after you die is what happens after you die. I love the idea that we are so in control over our own selves and our own like destinies that whatever we believe will happen is what we'll get so if you believe that after you die it's black and nothing happens and you're just gone I think you'll get that or I want to believe you'll get that because that's what you want that's what you believe and if you believe there's a heaven I want to believe that there is for you and you'll go there and you'll experience whatever it is that you want in that afterlife. And if you believe that you stick around on Earth or around Earth, I don't know, you stick around and you are able to protect the people that you love and have influence over the people that you love's lives, I hope that happens. If you believe you're going to be reincarnated, I hope that happens. I don't know, really. I don't know what I think happens. I don't really believe in anything. But I know that believing that I'm protected by my grandfather and by other relatives that passed before him that I never got to meet or looking out for me, I know that that has felt comforting to me. So that is what I choose to believe because that feels the best to me. And so I hope that when I pass, I'm able to protect the people that I would have loved if I stuck around That my great-great-granddaughter, niece, I don't know if I'm going to have kids. (laughs) That I'll be able to protect those people as well. Do what I can to protect those people as well. But I don't know. I guess that's my thoughts on it. But I do like the idea that whatever you think is going to happen is what's going to happen. I have a few more written here, but that feels like a good one to end on kind of deep (laughs) but that's the stuff that I like I like having like thoughtful conversations that are mostly hypotheticals because none of us know the answers Where it's like we're having like an in-depth conversation of stuff that has meaning but it's so inconsequential those are my favorite kinds of conversations because it's like we can just have fun and hypothesize and Talk about our feelings and what makes us feel comforted and safe. But it's like none of us are ever going to be able to prove that anybody's right. I could be right. What I could just say. What I just said could be right. We'll never fucking know. Just we're having a good time. Enough TikTok discourse. More hypothetical questions that nobody can really argue over. Because none of us have the answer. (laughs) Anyways... I guess that's it for today's episode. I don't know that there's anything else on the top of my mind that I want to talk about. I've been recording for an hour. So I think that's usually about when I call it. Um, Thank you guys so much for listening. Having a good time over on emotionally online. Um, And hopefully I won't do another three week hiatus anytime soon. (laughs) I'm going to try to get through the end of the year. I'm going to do a rest of the year episode every single week and then I'll take a little break in January. That's what my plan is. So I'll see you guys next week and we'll have a good time on our little corner of the internet where we're great over here (laughs) and we don't have to consume content that hurts our brain. Anyways, okay. I love you guys so much. Thanks for hanging out with me. See you next week. Bye. Okay, it's your truth. Truth or dare?